Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 99 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the hang space slash empty rooms here at VMworld very, very early on sort of hangover Wednesday morning. Uh, we're joined today by Brad Hedlund, uh, network virtualization guru. I'll let you introduce yourself in a second. Uh, and uh, Chris Wall from the Wall Network and Ahead and uh, VMware Guru. So um, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about network virtualization. So uh, one of the big, big themes from VMware this week is is all about what we did with uh, server virtualization. We can do the same thing for your network. Uh, the network's got to evolve. It needs to become faster, more agile. And and Brad, you're kind of on the cutting edge of that. You're you've been dealing with it. You've been uh, doing it for a while now. So first and foremost, for anybody uh, who's just listening, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and, and what you do at VMware. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, my name's Brad Hedlund. Uh, I'm a blogger. You can find my blog at bradhedlund.com. I'm with uh, VMware at the Networking and Security Business Unit. So we're working on NSX. I'm with the CTO office there. So my day-to-day job is meeting with customers, writing content, making slides, um, you know, out there in the social media community, evangelizing network virtualization. Yeah. Having so, a lot of fun. I mean, so you're, you're selling yourself a little bit short. So if, if anybody, <laughs> if anybody's never been to Brad's blog, and we and we highly recommend it, uh, you do, if not the best, one of the best. Just really good at explaining things in depth at, at a high level. Like you'll go at a high level, you visualize it really well, then you go in depth, you explain why. Like so, we're going to go into some stuff. If you want to get into it, go see your blog. It's really good. You do a really good job, whether it's in video or or format. So. Um, so I, I want to start before we jump into to sort of NSX and all that stuff. So, you know, we all got to know you probably three or four years ago. Um, you were uh, working in the field at Cisco. Um, you started working on Cisco UCS when it was sort of brand new. It was this overlap of servers and networking, and and you were kind of leading the the charge of like how do I explain this stuff to people and what does it mean and. Um, and the thing that was interesting to me was at the time, you were like the one dude, after about a year of doing UCS, you were like, I'm going to go figure out stuff like Cassandra and web scale and big data. It was like, wait a second, that, no, 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 you're just doing servers. And so now, you know, so, and now you're doing network virtualization. You went over to Dell. Uh, you were doing sort of, sort of web scale, scale out, new type of networking. Now you're doing this. Like, help us understand that that's a lot of transition in a very short period of time. Like, walk us through how you've been trying to figure that out because that's a big thing that people want to know. How do I transition from knowing this to knowing this other big paradigm shift? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, that's interesting you kind of do that recap there because that's, I think, that's spot on. I mean, I, I, I really like to latch on to something that's new and try and figure it out and explain it to me. First, explain it to myself. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not any smarter than anybody else. And I figure if I can explain it to myself, right, in the way that I consume it, then maybe other people would like it that way too. So after with the, UCS was a lot of fun. I mean, that was, UCS was fundamentally disruptive to computing and then data center, totally new way to deploy servers. I loved it. You know, after a while, I felt like it was time to, you know, do something do new. something else. And so what was the interesting thing to latch on to at the time? Well, there was the Hadoop and the big data. That was kind of the craze at the time. So I kind of went off and chased that. Network virtualization really wasn't 
It was still kind of in the halls of Stanford and in tiny little startups. Um, but, but when it really became big time, I think kind of in that 2012 when VMR made the acquisition and all of that, that's when I said this is the biggest um, architectural transformation in networking probably in my lifetime and my career. So I better be a part of this, and this is exactly you know what I like to do, jump yeah. in and uh, figure something out and explain it. Yeah. And I'll say this too. So Chris as well. So Chris has done quite a number of blogs about all the announcements and everything coming out this week and, and you were definitely kind of part of that that inner circle of information. <laughs> yeah, so the stuff, yeah, the stuff you do on Wall Network is very cool. Uh, yeah. So I was going to say, like, you know, Pimp, Pimp Chris's blog as well for basically anything related to the show this week, but but I also kind of wanted to say, you know, and other than give everyone your blog, what's been kind of your big thing? And as somebody who's outside looking in towards, you know, the nicer stuff, what's been your take on everything? Yeah, so going through, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about Brad's blog and, and different transitions because I was one of the people reading the blog when I first started working with UCS and going into... What do I want to learn that's that's big and new and hot and, and the next thing? And I've definitely spent a lot of time recently focusing on networking. You know, I've got a book coming out that's trying to bridge the gap between server virtualization and, and VMware administrators, as well as the network side of the house, trying to bridge the knowledge gap there. Uh, and so that, to me, is the next big thing. It's the thing that I'm most interested in, is finding ways to erase the silos if possible. Just because working as a partner with customers in the Midwest area and doing consulting, that's typically where I see a lot of the, the frustration, the heartache is, you know, you'll it's, it's a classic paradigm. I spin up the VM and then it takes forever to actually get the network port, uh, portion provisioned. So when I started reading about NSX and at the time it was just kind of, I didn't really know what it was, but it sounded like we were going to wrap policy and uh, kind of automation around the idea of provisioning firewalls and load balancers and IPs and all that kind of good stuff. I knew it didn't really matter if the execution was flawless from 1.0 or not, that's the right direction. And whoever's going to be a, a market leader and step up to at least try to take the reins in the beginning, which I think VMware's done a good job at doing, uh, would be successful and at least cause a ripple in the environment. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting because both of you guys are from Chicago, and you know one of the interesting things is we we get folks who are Silicon Valley based, and you get these first big pie in the sky ideas, and they go, well, you know things don't go this way, the world will completely change. So we want to dig into that a little bit because you guys, you know, we've talked about it before offline. It's you know what happens outside of Silicon Valley is it's a different pace. There's a different mindset of like what's important and not important, and um, so we'll we'll come back and touch on that. So. Let's let's dig a little bit into this stuff. So so for anybody who's not familiar with, let's not even dig into the product first. So around networking, there's a lot of buzzwords these days. There's there's SDN, there's NFV, you know, network functions virtualized, and now VMware's calling stuff network virtualization. Like, where does network virtualization fit in the big picture of buzzwords and new networking stuff? Like, what's what's it mean, or what's it what's different from some of those other things? Yeah, actually, where, where do you start? Yeah, I mean, I think we see network virtualization as kind of this umbrella that covers all of those things. And, and SDN is a component that yeah. makes network virtualization work. NFE is a component that's in network virtualization. Right? So if network virtualization is an actual solution with, okay. with products, right, like, like NSX, right? And you're seeing, and to Chris's point earlier, I mean, the architecture is right because 
there's a lot of other folks jumping into the space with a very similar architecture, right? Where you have this abstraction of a virtual network, right? And the virtual network includes things like logical switches, logical routers, logical firewalls, load balancers, all of that. So you have network function virtualization in there. You've got yeah. firewalls and load balancers. And to make it all work, you have an SDN controller architecture that kind of distributes all of that uh, state across the hypervisors to make that work. I mean, you could, in theory, you could have network virtualization without SDN, but it just would be kind of hard to do. Right. So SDN controllers makes it a lot easier to do, makes it scalable, and uh, the, the NFE in there really makes it a complete virtual network. You can't just have layer two and layer three and call it a day and sell that. You need to have a complete solution. Yeah. So, so let's, you know, those one of my questions. Let's, let's sort of dig into what, what is NSX, kind of what got announced, um, you know, what, what's available sort of today and what's, you know, is it layer two and three? Is it four through seven? What, what's the basics of the product that are out there for anybody looking at it today? Because there's been obviously a lot of talk over the last year of what it could be. Yeah, so the last uh, year, there's been a couple of products that have been available. There's been the, the VCNS and the vCloud Network and Security. That was a traditional VMware product that you know right. goes back even before the nicer Sort of built into vCloud Director and all those things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You could do a little bit of VXLAN. Um, you had to turn on multicast in the network, though. That was kind of a pain. It had the vShield Edge, which was basically a perimeter firewall, kind of demark your application from others. It had load balancers. Um, it didn't have, uh, as I say, it was kind of good on the firewall and load balancer side. It wasn't really good on the kind of the layer two and layer three plumbing side of things. Right? Yeah, sort of go, good enough for a VM, but not really industrial strength networking yeah, per se. It yeah. was a good first try, yeah. right? I mean, VMware did the best job they could with the you know, capabilities they had. Then you had, you know, the, the guys at Stanford starting SDN and OpenFlow and the NICERA acquisition, and they were really working on that, you know, that baseline foundation of an SDN controller that can scale and can spread all the state out and can leverage the compute at the edge. So uh, the NICERA with their network virtualization platform, NVP, as a product, was really kind of addressing a lot of the things that VCNS really wasn't that good at, kind of all this logical switching, logical routing, complete decoupling from the network. So as we sit here today at VMworld, we still have you know, the VCNS product that's out there, that we didn't rip that out, that's still going to yeah. be there. You still have the MVP product that's being deployed, you know, in cloud providers. But what we've done is we brought them together in one architecture with one API. That's what we announced as NSX. So one controller, you know, full complete of layer two to layer seven networking services, any hypervisor, any cloud platform, and that'll be generally available, I think, in October. So just not too long after we're done here, yeah, um, okay. that'll be available. Okay. So, um, what, you know, one of the things that, that people ask all the time is, so it's a bunch of new technology. I get that, and there's the you know go faster. But what what do you see in just legitimate real use cases? What are the most either the most common ones or the most you know the big problems people kind of want to solve with this? Um, you know, the vendors want to talk about, you know, commoditize this or simplify this. But, like, what are, what are the customers, when you talk to them, what do they go, this is my problem that I think this might help fix? Yeah, it's actually, Chris and I were talking about that before the show. It's like, you know, there's a lot of people that want to use this and network virtualization SDN as a way to kind of start war amongst all the networking vendors and, and you know, this uh, 
you know, everybody's going to rip out, you know, their existing infrastructure and put all these cheap switches, right? That's that's totally missing the point, right? I mean, that is buying cheaper switches is, is just it, at marginal at best is the value and the reason why you would do um, network virtualization. That's the big value proposition is you know, agility, right? Having a programmatic operational model, a deployment model of a complete virtual network. To the things that Chris was saying earlier about, you know, you're writing a book on that about how how do those the virtual network, the physical network, and all of that, there's a significant point of friction there between deploying a virtual machine onto a physical network, right? A tremendous amount of complexity. So through network virtualization and providing the decoupling there, clearly delineating the virtual network from the physical network, you know, we think that you know, you can deploy virtual networks at the same speed, agility, efficiency as a virtual machine, the same operational model, start, stop, create, delete, snapshot, clone, template, all of those things that you never thought were possible. Yeah, that's, know, so. that, that, that to me is kind of the interesting thing. So it's, it's you know, and you're, you're talking about kind of trying to blur the lines between, say, storage and network or compute. And if... You know, if I was a network, you know, having been sort of a network guy for a long time, the, the, like you said, the concept of like cloning something or, you know, in essence, like DR for my network or rollback, like those are kind of pretty common server tech concepts now because of what virtualization does. You apply those to networking and operationally, like that's really, really powerful. I mean, it, people go in and twiddle bits in the network all the time and stuff goes bad and everybody goes, well, the application's not working, what happened? And they're like, I don't know, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. Like you now have a way of literally looking at it and going, no, 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 at this time spot, these things changed. And it's not a matter of being like, how do I undo that with commands? It's just hopefully push a button and it reverts back almost like a snapshot of what it looked like. And that, like, that's super powerful. Or, you know, we're down because I lost some machines and I need to roll over to a different site. Like I can, I can make an exact copy. We're going to roll up a new data set. I want to make an exact copy of this other one because we know how this one works. Like that's... I mean, I, I would think that's super powerful for people if you can actually make that happen. Is that the kind of stuff people get excited about? Absolutely, like introspection and cloning. Imagine if you had an application running a production network. Yeah. And what if you could take a uh, clone or a snapshot of that, bring it into a test environment, make some changes, you know, and then submit that back into the production network, right? So what if testing and things like that, rollbacks and templates... Um, just like a virtual machine, if something changes, yeah, you know, you're you're flagged, you're warned, it doesn't meet the template. Same thing with the network, right? And yet, and to your point there, you have a single place to look now, right? This this controller with this API provides a single point, a single view of all the state and all the configuration, you know, as opposed to jumping around all these V switches and top rack switches and trying to figure out where VLAN is fat-fingered or things like that, right? I think that's a good point because uh, you know I've been a server guy for a very long time. I was traditionally in the customer side of things for over a decade. And one of the most frustrating things for me was having that black box that was the network. I just plugged my server into it, and I almost had an expectation that I should pretty much plan for about three weeks of twiddling with the network to get the VLAN right or something like that. And I'm not saying that to really uh, discredit the networking side of the house because it's usually a communication issue or we're dealing with maybe an outsourced party that's trying to manage this. But... I found the idea of getting visibility in the network as a server guy very interesting and, and exciting because then I can apply what I know as a server person uh, to help you know, kind of add those advantages and add that visibility to the network side. And I think that plays well in reverse. So there's been a lot of 
uh, kind of FUD around, you know, the network guy or gal will be eroded. There won't be a need for those people because they'll be, you know, like, like the, the Terminator's coming. And I think that's completely false. If you look at it from the other way, the network person can now get visibility back to the server side and add his or her expertise to build the networking piece within something like a virtualized network to make it robust because, you know, that's really why I'm trying to write a book like this because, quite frankly, as a server guy, I barely even knew what a VLAN was when I first got into this thing. I really would have loved to have expertise from the networking house to kind of guide me through this. So I think coupling the two together only creates kind of a synergistic uh, advantage for any kind of business in that you can really make the network as robust as possible and benefit the serververt efforts. So, so as you're as you're writing the book, or as you're working on various you know sort of new blogs, like how hard do you guys find it to be to sort of switch your brain back and forth between server terminology and kind of network terminology? Because you, you can't just like you can't <laughs> yeah. just go to a network guy and start talking sort of server concepts, and you can't just go to a network guy and start talking about clones and snapshots because they're like I, I don't know what that means. Like, talk to me about ports and and speeds and fe- like. Yeah, how hard? Like, is that a big? It's it's you, realistically you one third of my book is just that. It's yeah. talking about translation here's layers. What, here's what happens in the physical network, and here's the terminology around that, and then here's all the terminology in the virtual network, and what's the relationship between the two? Yeah. So that you can understand when I'm turning on, you know, uh, failover settings for a virtual switch or notify, uh, you know, notify switch. What does that actually mean? from a physical networking perspective. So that's that's a huge challenge, and it's going to consume quite a bit of the actual pages on the book. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, so we talked about that. So this was one of the interesting things to me, Brad, and tell me how much of this is you're kind of seen as a trend or not. So you guys uh, today, the, the whole, at least in, in theory it was, move the sort of the, the edge of the network uh, to the virtual switch control the edge of the network. I walked around the floor yesterday, went and kind of tried to talk to a bunch of people, talked to Arista, talked to Cumulus Networks, talked to a bunch of guys who traditionally you'd think of as, as hardware vendors, and they were going, yeah, no, 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 we're running, in essence, either the virtual switch or an emulated version of the virtual switch in our hardware. That's So this isn't the complete elimination of the, the, the hardware top of rack. Like People are coming up with interesting ways to either accelerate it for hard you know for performance are you guys seeing that like there's different places where the the edge of the network can be and how you interoperate with them is there's flexibility there oh yeah absolutely i mean if you go around the show floor you're going to see a lot of demos with top rack switches where there's use cases where customers are not 100 percent virtualized right yeah. i mean who is i don't think anybody's 100 percent virtualized so you're going to have some workloads that are physical you're going to have some workloads of virtual in some cases you need those to be connected to the same logical network so the, the Aristas and the Cumuluses, Dell, Brocade, all of those, HP, um, their top of rack switches really look like a virtual switch from the perspective of that NSX controller we talked about earlier. Right? So the same way the NSX controller talks to a virtual switch in the hypervisor, it's the same way it talks to a top of rack switch. There's one important difference, though, in that the NSX controller talking to a virtual switch, it is managing it in the sense that it's applying a configuration and sharing state, and it's also programming the data plane of the virtual switch with with OpenFlow. It's not doing that with the top rack switch. All we're doing is just exchanging that state information. Like, hey, top rack switch learns a MAC address, tell me about it. If I learn, if, if a new virtual machine starts up, 
in the in the virtual network, I'm going to tell the top rack switch about it. Right. Things like that. And then we let the top rack switch vendor do data forwarding however they want to do it. We're not um, changing the way that device is managed. There's still a CLI. There's still whatever management tools that they offer. So then, you know, really NSX can become you know a platform where these you know uh, partners can integrate with. We're seeing that today with the layer two switches. That's just a starting point. Next step could be layer three, right? Bring your favorite router that does MPLS really awesome or something and form it into NSX. Bring your favorite firewall or load balancer and do the same thing. So, Yeah, that was one of the things that, that kind of I, I, was, I was happy to see this week was sort of this expansion of like, how do I deal with legacy? You know, it's not all virtual. It's how do I deal with non-greenfield? How do I deal with physical? Where am I going to plug in four through seven services? Where do partners plug in? Like, that, without seeing that stuff, like there is no greenfield data centers per se. There's very yeah. few greenfield like replace everything, throw it all away or whatever. Um, so that piece to me was was very very cool. Talk a little bit about um, so the the you know the the NICERA guys. Um, we have a lot of folks who obviously are very interested in things like OpenStack and some of the other. Like talk about what they're doing around what used to be called quantum and is now neutron. Like. How does networking fit in those kind of environments, and what are what are your guys doing in that community? Yeah, so a lot of the NICERA guys have done a lot of work on OpenStack, and we have a lot of you know guys who are just dedicated to OpenStack development. We have um, plugins for NSX into OpenStack. So if you're building an OpenStack cloud, you put an NSX plugin in there, and it talks to the NSX controller and builds logical switches, logical routers, gets the VMs provisions connected to those. A lot of things we're working on now is services, right? So building more services capability into OpenStack. So today you can go in there and you can start a, a logical switch and a logical router with OpenStack. Next thing is load balancers and firewalls, having those plugins there. And NSX is the right platform for that because it's multi-service, right? We've got all of that good stuff that came from VCNS is now you know, going to be rolled into the NSX platform for OpenStack, and you'll have those what were VCNS edges now kind of in the picture now with OpenStack providing load balancing and firewall, um, you know, same plug-in architecture, so it's not just a VMware-only thing, but yeah. that's something we're excited about as well. Okay, so you'll expect to see at some point, whether it's VCNS or, say, like an F5 or a Citrix NetScaler, like they'll be able to plug into this architecture in, you know, kind of expected ways. Is that where you think it'll go, or...? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you can't take a legacy product sometimes, but but the ones that do have some software capabilities, you'll expect somehow you can plug those in. I think so, yeah, because we're we're exposing a complete layer two through layer seven API that our partners can leverage, just like the top rack switch vendors are doing now. So, I think you'll you'll be able to see a, you know an OpenStack cloud that has NSX that has a partner top rack switch in there, like an Arista or a Brocade, and a partner uh, appliance like a F5, for example using NSX as the, the, the software control plane, but then we're you know, delegating out kind of the, the management and the, and the data plane functions to those devices, right? Yep, very cool. So uh, I'll ask one last question, and I don't know that you'll have an answer for this, but I'm going to kind of throw it out sort of as like a feature request, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a so, public feature request yeah, from so, Brian. So, what, so, so today there's there's a few semi-standard formats. So if I want to describe an application, for example, so if I if I were to be a, a provider that said, hey, come to my self-service catalog, you can pull up these applications, whatever it might be, and on the back end, I have to describe that. I have to say this is a two-tier application or three-tier, and I have to say, well, this is you know this isn't a public 
uh, segment, and this isn't a DMZ segment. Like, I can do that in that system, but there's really no standard way to tell that to the network, right? There's no standard API. There's no common. Do you guys see that very much where people go like, how do I take this ability to sort of describe a, 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 uh, an application, an application topology, and somehow simply map that to the network? I mean, I, th- I would think since you guys can sort of make the network look like anything it wants now, right? It's not bound by physical cables and proximity and stuff. Do you guys see that being a, a construct of NSX that, that somebody will go, I just want to give you this explanation of the application like this. You figure out where that all goes. Is that something you hear from people or a request from people, like a standard way of describing that so it'll map to the network properly? Yeah, I think taking the, the topology that you described and putting that into the infrastructure, the virtual infrastructure, that capability is there now okay. right, with NSX. I think what you're hitting on, Brian, is kind of what's the workflow, right? right. Wouldn't it be cool if I could like, draw Visio and just like submit that into some API, right? Yeah, well, Business exactly. process directly integrated yeah. into you. Yeah, and cause, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've been kind of walking around asking vendors that, and they're like, no, there's no standard way. And I'm like, so then it's fine. Don't worry about a standard body doing it. Like somebody just say this is how you do it and make that sort of a de facto. Like get out there first, do it first, and say anybody who's doing things, here's a way to do it. Hopefully you adopt it. Um, I think that would be a big deal. I mean, like I think that would be something that would, would blow away what other people do. And I think for customers, like it would be super valuable because it's like you said, if I can logically think about it and think about it in a Visio or a whiteboard, like I should be able to just map it to your system, right? Right, exactly. And and we did take an attempt at that yeah. with NSX for vSphere, where we have something called Service Composer. Okay. And what you really do is it's a GUI in in, in the in the web uh, vSphere web client, and you go in there and you create these containers. And in the containers, you say, I want firewall, I want load balancing, and then you drop VMs into these containers. Logically, you can see it on the screen. And then you define the policies of a container and what traffic can go from one container to the next, and then you can make hierarchical containers. You could have a web, app, and database tier container, and you could have what container that encapsulates that called my data center, my virtual data center, or, uh, you know, things like that. So... I think it's a good first kind of try it. We're interested to see what customers think of that kind of visual interface, yeah. if it makes sense. Do um, you get requests to integrate into VCAC because they've got a decently visual kind of workflow that they can do in, in their products, right? Yeah, I think VCAC is, is kind of where a lot of the work is going to be done, mm-hmm. kind of on you know getting utilizing NSX on kind of a VMware on VMware kind of a stack. Right. Absolutely. So I think there's good things coming from that perspective as well, leveraging those same you know containers I talked about. Yeah, but it, yeah, it'd be nice if if it's the VCAC, if it's OpenStack Heat, if it's yeah. AWS CloudFormation, kind of like. You know, go fine. You guys do whatever you want as long as it maps down to this way of doing it on ours. Like that would be powerful, and you can, like you said, you can kind of extend that any application, any topology type of thing. Yeah, if you could draw your topology right, and or or yeah, that that would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I mean. If we really want to get to sort of self-service stuff and make it simple, like you know, it might be a couple years from now, but that would be nice to do because then. The application guys literally don't have to know what the network does. They can just go, I just write code, and I kind of want to think about security, so I think about it this way or, you know, performance this way, scale this way. 
So I think that's a cool thing is because it's software at the end of the day, right? Yeah. I mean, all the heavy lifting has been done already with NSX and the network virtualization controllers. Now there's a whole ecosystem of software players that can jump into the space and leverage the APIs and... Yeah, and, that, uh, that part's cool. It's 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 not the destruction of something. It's sort of this just new creation of an ecosystem, and who knows where it'll go. And that's always kind of interesting. Yeah, so absolutely. Well, very cool. I think we're uh, getting towards the end of this. I know everybody's got stuff to do. It's going to start getting loud around here because people are walking around. So everyone's waking up. Everyone's waking up, <laughs> us included. <laughs> so uh, so Chris and Brad, thank you for the time this morning. It's been good. It's been fun. Yeah. So Chris, where can everyone find out more about you and? What you got going on and everything sure. else. Yeah, so uh, I blog at wallnetwork.com. Uh, you're welcome to subscribe to the blog or the YouTube channel. Is and it's W-A-H-L. W-A-H-L network. I know it's weird having a network with a .com, but the .net was taken. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances of that? We had the same problem. That's how we're .net. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm on the Twitters. I do love to tweet uh, at Chris Wall. And, and Brad, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm at bradheadland.com. You can always find me there. And uh, at bradheadland on Twitter. So look forward to seeing everybody in a future episode. Cool. And we'll get all that in the show notes. And uh, Aaron, you want to take us out? Yeah, absolutely. We are out of time for this week. So you can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.